My name is David Morn, Tax Manager at Grant Thornton, and I'll be filling in for my colleague Kim Doyle, who is away on maternity leave. Welcome to Tax Time, our monthly podcast covering the main tax developments in Ireland. Today we'll be discussing the latest in tax, which includes the new changes to the local property tax charges, a new global minimum tax proposed at the G7 Summit in London, the announcement of a new commission on taxation and welfare, and the latest on the COVID-19 schemes. I am joined by my colleague Una Ryan, Director of our Transactions and Corporate Advisory Team with Grant Thornton. The Minister for Finance, Pascal Dunahu TD, has published the Heads of the Finance Local Property Tax Amendment Bill 2021 following approval from government at the Cabinet meeting in early June. The bill will give effect to a package of measures in line with the programme for government to address the future of the local property tax. Under the new regime, residential properties will be required to be valued on 1 November 2021 with a subsequent valuation every four years. The government have noted that this will provide a balance between the timely capture of changes in the property market and the need to limit compliance and administration costs. It also assists the regular addition of new properties into the LPT chart. Where residential properties are built between the valuation dates, the new rules will retrospectively value the property as if it existed at the previous valuation date. New properties brought into the remit of LPT will be valued at the prior valuation date, i.e. 1 November 2021, which revenue will provide assistance with to help determine the appropriate value. The rates and bans have also been amended to reflect the higher value of residential properties in the last few years which aims to mitigate the increased annual charge applied to homeowners who have seen the value of their homes increase in recent years. For example, a residential property valued at 250,000 to 300,000 in 2013 had an annual charge of 495 euros, whereas the same charge will now apply to residential properties valued between 473,000 to 501 to 525,000. The Department of Finance estimates that there will be a yield of 580 million to the Exchequer following the implementation of the new regime. Revenue commissioners noted in their local property tax preliminary statistics published in January 2021 that the LPT receipts of 480 million were collected in 2020. In a historic move, finance ministers of the G7 countries came to an agreement on the introduction of a new international minimum tax rate of 15% for multinationals and online tech companies at their meeting in London on the 5th of June. This is lower than the 21% rate noted by US President Joe Biden earlier this year in an aim to tackle tax abuse by large multinationals. It was also agreed that at least 20% of profits above a 10% margin may be allocated to market jurisdictions where certain multinationals generate revenue. Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, has noted that Ireland could lose up to one-fifth of its corporate tax revenue take, which could be as high as 2 billion per annum as part of this new global minimum rate. However, the minister has noted that this has been built into the government's economics assumptions. The US has asked that all digital tax services, uh, sorry, all digital services tax regimes be removed to make way for these new agreed measures and to ensure that there is a consistency of approach across all world economies. However, the G7 were silent on this point, merely noting that there should be an appropriate coordination between the application of new international tax rules and the removal of, the, of all digital services taxes. The finer point of how these new rules will work are yet to be finalised. The issue is sure to be a key topic for the upcoming G20 summit in Venice. The global minimum tax rate is derived from Pillar 2 of the OECD BEPS project, which aims to tackle the perceived tax challenges arising from digitalisation. Pascal Donoghue announced on Thursday, 3rd of June, the members of the newly established Commission on Taxation and Welfare, which includes stakeholders from various public and private organisations. The new commission will be chaired by Professor Neve Maloney, who is head of the Department of Law at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Department of Finance has noted that collectively these members will independently consider how best taxation and welfare systems can support economic activity and promote increased employment and prosperity, while ensuring that there are sufficient resources available to meet the cost of the public services and supports in the medium and longer term. 
the Commission were due to hold their first meeting on the 4th of June 2021, with the Commission due to submit its report to the Minister for Finance no later than 1 July 2022. Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue has announced on 1 June 2021 a set of measures to provide support to businesses as they reopen and resume normal trading, including the extension of the Employment Wage Subsidy Scheme to 31 December 2021, the extension and enhancement of the COVID Restrictions Support Scheme to provide additional support to businesses upon reopening and to give certainty to businesses still directly affected by public health restrictions. The scheme in its current form will continue to the end of 2021. The government will also provide for an enhanced restart week payment, a single payment of three double week to businesses upon reopening, subject to a maximum of €30,000. This will provide additional support to the business in restocking and making the necessary preparations to welcome their customers back in a safe manner. The enhanced restart payment is intended to incentivize them to exit the scheme, being the CRSS, and return to trading as early as possible. A new additional business support scheme, known as the Business Resumption Support Scheme, or BRSS, for businesses with reduced turnover of at least 75% as a result of public health restrictions to be implemented in September 2021. Businesses whose turnover is reduced by 75% in the reference period, being 1 September 2020 to 31 August 2021, compared with 2019, will be eligible for the scheme. The scheme will not be restricted by location, rate paying or physical premises. It is expected that this will be a limited number of such businesses and recognise that it is important that such businesses are supported. The BRSS will be administered by revenue and will operate in a similar way to CRSS. Finally, the extension of the tax debt warehousing scheme to allow the period where liabilities arising can be warehoused to be extended to the end of 2021 for all eligible taxpayers with an interest free period during 2022 and interest at a reduced rate of 3% thereafter. The new the extension will also include overpayments of EWSS in the scheme. The government agreed to the drafting of legislation to provide for these measures. I am joined now by my colleague Una Ryan, Director with our Transaction and Corporate Advisor team. Hi Una, thank you for joining me today to discuss the importance of succession planning and wealth management from a tax perspective, including the traps that one can fall into when planning for the future. Una, why is it so important that we plan for the future? Well, David, thanks firstly for having me here. Um, it's very important that we plan for the future, especially if we are entrepreneurs or we're owner-managed businesses. It's often a case where sometimes the owner-manager would leave it too late when they decide that they want to retire or exit from the business. So it's really important that we actually plan in advance and well in advance for our future. So for instance, I would often be saying to my uh, clients, do you have any children that work in the business? Is there any children that you've identified or any key management that could run the business? Are you interested in gifting the shares to your children? Alternatively, if you don't have anyone that's in the business, are you thinking about selling your business? Is there a market for your particular type of business? And, and if there's not, then you could look at liquidation. But the key to this is it can't be done at the time that you actually want to retire. This should be done in advance of well into uh, uh, well in advance of retiring. For instance, we would recommend 10 years. And this is so that you plan ahead to avoid any exposures that you would be liable to when you either gift the shares or when you sell the shares. Also, this allows you to understand the nature of your assets on the balance sheet. So you might wish to retain certain assets. That apartment that you bought in Spain, you might like to keep that and not give that to your children or sell that to a company or to another purchaser, pardon me. A buyer may also want to cherry pick certain assets. You might have multiple trades and the buyer is only interested in one particular trade. 
Um, again, other investment assets, you might have invested in stocks and shares that the purchaser has no interest in buying. So if you plan well in advance, we can do some restructuring and we can tidy up your group so that you have a nice clean vehicle or you have a nice clean company that's packaged up that you can either gift to your children or that you can sell um, in advance. And that's why it'd be so important to advance in, plan in advance, David. You know, definitely. And it kind of seems now since COVID that deals have increased substantially and there's a lot of food for thought there and the various kind of ideas and selling a business or passing on a business and the various facets that go with it. Um, and I suppose, you know, what are the key reliefs for an entrepreneur thinking of retiring? Yeah, so we have in Ireland, we have two main key reliefs. We have what's called retirement relief and entrepreneur relief. So retirement relief is a very, very important relief when we're gifting shares or passing shares on to the next generation. And essentially, um, retirement relief will allow you to gift your entire business, no matter what value it is, um, to your kids, provided you're over the age of 55 and under the age of 66. So that means that if you own a company that's worth 20 million and you're thinking of gifting it to your children, you can actually gift it to them completely tax free. The only thing is, if you turn 66 and then you decide that you're going to retire, you have a cap of three million when you decide to gift those shares to your kids. So you could be looking at quite a hefty tax bill. Retirement relief would also work if you are selling your company or you're liquidating your company and the proceeds are less than 750,000. And again, that's provided you're over the age of 55 and under the age of 66. Anything above or when you turn 66, your relief is restricted to 500k. The second relief that we hear an awful lot of in the papers and on the TV is entrepreneur relief. An entrepreneur relief was introduced in 2016 and essentially this gives you the first million of the sales proceeds at 10 million or 1 million apologies and the excess at 33%. So again it's a, a nice relief um, when you're selling a company um, so that you can get um, tax only at 10% on the first million. David, very important though that you're thinking about any of the investment assets or cash on the balance sheet. So investment assets and cash on the balance sheet will will um, cause some problems for retirement relief in that the relief will be restricted to only the trading element. Um, for entrepreneur relief, provided you're wholly or mainly trading, you should be fine to claim entrepreneur relief. Other things that we would be thinking of, and again, this is the whole point of planning in advance, is how old are you? Are you into claiming um, retirement relief? Because you remember I said you need to be over the age of 55. Or is entrepreneur relief a better relief to claim? Is your spouse involved in the business? Can we get him or her involved in the business? Can we gift him or her some shares? And that way you could get um, both of you could avail of entrepreneur relief. So again, if you were selling a company for three million and you owned more than 5% and your spouse owned more than 5%, you could get a really good tax answer. Um, and that's why, again, really important that you plan in advance. Yeah, thanks very much, Raluna. And I suppose the key takeaway there is probably when you're gifting to children that once you reach 66, that there's such a drastic drop in the relief. Um, Absolutely. And particularly when gifting to a third party or selling to a third party. And I suppose it just hits home your point of planning early, like even if you're trying to maybe plan for retirement entrepreneurially for your spouse, that, you know, you, you plan in advance to give them requisite holding period that they need under your reliefs. Correct. And, 
I suppose, you know, what else should I be thinking about if I'm going to sell in the morning or if I want to gift in the morning? What else can I look at from a tax perspective? Oh, plenty. Um, so we would often recommend that um, you would look at your pension. Have you sufficiently topped up your pension? Um, what is your pension like? Is it within the threshold that you can get a good lump sum out? Um, and again, if there's excess cash on the balance sheet, David, it is a good way of using the excess cash that you are looking at pension planning. Another thing that's particularly important, especially around a sale, is termination payments. This is a good way of getting some tax-free money out of your company um, by paying yourself a termination payment. Now, very important to note, though, that you must actually retire from the business. And if there's an earn-out period with your purchaser, you might not be able to avail of a termination payment. But again, it's just something that you can look at. Again, other things, and I re reiterate this, is your investment assets on the balance sheet always needs to be looked at, particularly where you're going to be selling or you're going to be gifting shares to your children. How can we get rid of this cash or the investment assets well in advance of a gift or a sale? No, no, definitely. And I suppose the, the investment asset is the point that always hits home that it, it does scupper some of the relief. So it's definitely a point of, of, of consideration for anyone thinking going down to retirement, selling or gifting their business down the line. And finally, now, what are the key reliefs from a beneficiary's perspective? Yeah, so you've identified that your kids are the key successors to your business and you're going to be um, gifting them the, either the family business or we often see farmland or land. So the main thing that you need to be wary of is or not be mindful of is business asset relief. So this is an invaluable relief and it basically reduces the market value of what you're gifting to your kids by 90%. So you essentially are only taxed on 10% of what you receive and then that 10% is obviously at 33% being the current cat rate. There is quite onerous conditions that need to be satisfied for business asset relief and again that's the whole key around this top this topic is plan in advance plan early the main conditions are that it must be a wholly or mainly trading business so again it, we're back to that point of the investment assets. You can't have a huge amount of investment assets on the balance sheet. Um, it must be a family-owned company or you must get, have 25% of the voting rights. Or if you can't satisfy that it's a family-owned company or the 25% of the voting rights, you must own at least 10% of the issued share capital and have worked in the business for five years. So that latter condition will be very relevant if you've identified key management that you want to gift the shares in your business to. Another relief that I'm just going to mention quite briefly is agriculture relief and agriculture relief would apply if you're receiving farmland or forestry um, from your parents. Um, and again, invaluable relief reduces the market value of the lands that you're receiving by 90%. So again, you're only taxed at 10%. The two key conditions for agriculture relief is that you must be a farmer, a financial farmer. So 80% of your assets must consist of agricultural assets after receiving the gift or the inheritance. And you must also be an active farmer. Now, an active farmer is a person who farms the land on a commercial basis with a view to the realization of profits on a full time basis. If you can't satisfy that test, you can actually lease it to a farmer who will farm the land on a commercial basis. 
So it's not all is not lost if you're a teacher or an engineer living up in Dublin. Um, you can still inherit the land and get agriculture relief. Again, provided all the relevant conditions are satisfied. And I'll just finish on for both of the business asset relief and the agriculture relief, you must retain the asset for a period of six years. So the beneficiaries should be very aware, are aware of that um, when receiving the, the business or the farmland. Yeah, and, and and that's very important that um, if, if, if you do receive a gift or, or of a business from, from your parents, that there is that holding period and tax that was relieved can be clawed back if it is disposed of within the six year period. So that is a very important point to note. Um, thanks very much, Una, for, for all your insight and in, into the importance of planning for the future and ensuring your tax affairs are properly considered. That is it for today. Tune into our Tax Time podcast next month, where we'll be discussing the latest in tax issues that may affect your businesses. If you need more, in the meantime, visit our website, where you'll find many fact sheets and insights into topics we discussed today. Thanks for listening. 